the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Romans chapter 12, and as I've been doing, as we've gone along in this chapter, I begin each service by reading Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2 before we went into the text where we left off. The reason I've done that is because those first two verses are the context for the entire chapter. Everything that Paul is asking of you, everything that Paul is reminding Christians to do in their daily living is born out of this context. Now, this context is not just specific to chapter 12. It is the truth of how we live the Christian life. I want you to notice in the first two verses that we're going to read that that it is specifically addressing two parts of your spiritual anatomy, your soul and your body. Now, you are a spirit that is already absolutely given over to the Lord, a new creation. It is not something that varies. It's not something that sins. It is perfect in God's sight. It literally dwells in union with the Spirit of God. It is currently, as it is in you, it is currently in Christ, and it sits at the right hand of the Father. This is the unchangeable truth of you. This is who you are. So if I look at my enemy and I can say, I love him, I can say that is the truth of it because the truth of me loves him as Christ loves him. For when I was born again in Christ, he gave me his very character. The things that Christ loved, I love. The things that Christ would hate, I hate. The truth of Christ is the truth of how he made me to be. I am his offspring. In the first two verses of chapter 12, we see the two variables being set out by Paul. The soul and the body. Because out of the soul and the body can come an identity that is contrary to what God created you to be. It can be an exact opposition to what God created you to be. It creates a duality and allows you to live with one foot on the earth, believing that you're earthy, and another one in heaven where you'll go one day. That is a split in you that will never allow you to live in the abundance and freedom that God has called you to. It will do nothing but cause constant confusion and distortion in your theology. 
there is a difference between existing and living. And I'm sorry to say that I believe that most Christians, most people who call themselves Christians, are just existing and not truly living. They've been saved, but they have not fully grasped what it is that they've been saved from or what they've been saved to. They have relegated the whole of their salvation to being forgiven and going to heaven one day. And while that is part of it, that is not the greater part. The greater part is that we've been born again into a new and abundant life that has set us free from living in slavery to the flesh and to sin and has given us a union life whereby we share life with the very Spirit of Christ. That is the greater truth of you. It's that union life that is empowered to live the life that Paul is describing in these verses. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. First of all, we're going to talk about the body. Now, y'all remember the three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Y'all remember that. You also remember the soul is comprised of the mind, will, and emotion. The two variables of the Christian are the soul and body. The body is unregenerate. But it's also neutral in the sense that it must have a master. The soul is the same way, but it is neutral. It is not unregenerate in the sense that it has not taken either the identity of sin exclusively or spirit exclusively. It's like a horn. I can hand a horn or a trumpet to a master player and it will sound beautiful or I can or I can try to play it and it'll hurt you there's a difference okay that's what the soul is so Paul is talking to these new believers and he's saying okay this is how you live the Christian life he starts out as I've said many times begging you he says I appeal to you therefore brethren and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice holy devoted consecrated and well pleasing to God which is your reasonable rational, intelligent service, and spiritual worship. In other words, if you're going to function normally, the body must respond to the Spirit, not lead. It must be given over. It must be given over as a sacrifice. Now, I want to remind you that a living sacrifice has no rights. How many rights does a sacrifice have? None. has none. It is totally consumed by whatever it's given to. If it resists or refuses to give itself, it's no longer a willing sacrifice. Now, Paul is not talking about you, the person. And this is where we get confused. If we think about give yourself as a living sacrifice, you've already been given. You're not giving yourself as a living sacrifice. You're giving your body as a living sacrifice. If I believe, which I've heard people say, that I'm giving myself as a living sacrifice, then I'm saying that I can live either unto the flesh as a flesh being, or I can live unto the spirit as a spirit being. Listen, you are one or the other. You can live as a flesh being, but you can't be a flesh being. You can live as a spirit being because you are a spirit being. 
Does everybody understand that distinction? So when we talk about surrendering yourselves as a living sacrifice, that was done. We're talking about surrendering your body as a living sacrifice. Don't get before the Lord and say, I need to rededicate or give myself as a living sacrifice. God says, I already took you that way. You need to give your flesh over. You need to stop seeing yourself in your flesh. You need to stop adopting the identity of that body and start adopting the identity of who you are in Christ. Surrender to who you are in Christ. So that's who we are giving over as a sacrifice. The body. All right. And then verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. Now, those who refuse to give their bodies over as a living sacrifice are living in the identity of the body, and they are being conformed to this world. They are being conformed to this world. They are refusing to allow their minds to be transformed. They think of themselves, and they see themselves as flesh. So they do not share the Spirit's perspective of themselves or others. Their thoughts are fleshy, and so are their attitudes. This is why it is impossible for them to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for themselves. They cannot truly see God in the circumstances around them, so they are without moorings. Do you see, the reality is that if they're not renewing their minds with the truth that they are new creations, that this is not who they are, if they're not living to this truth, then I want to tell you something. This body, as my identity, can be offended at any moment. This body, as my identity, can be filled with insecurities and fear. This body is my identity will constantly be begging God to secure my surroundings in order to protect myself. This body as my identity will live in self-protection and will not be able to love an enemy because it is, it is too busy loving itself. This body as my identity will adopt all of the world's plans and all the world's methods. You will see it over and over. I will be one of the lemmings following the trends of the world in this body. Do you see why it's important for us to see ourselves as who we are, not as a body? To renew your mind is to renew your mind in the truth of who God is and who you are in Christ. Let's look at verse 18. Romans 12, verse 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, notice he starts with if. Well, why does he do that? Because this is a continuation of verse 17. And if you'll back up to verse 17, it says, Repay no evil for evil, but take thought of what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. Now, if you don't live in the obedience of verse 17, then verse 18 is impossible. This if is not about you seeking to live in peace, 
but about the truth that there are those who will refuse to live in peace with you. In other words, it's not about if you decide to live in peace. It's saying if those out there, if it is possible, if those out there will allow you to live in peace with them, seek to live that way. Seek to live in peace. The variable is about their determination, not yours. Now, there are truths and principles that we will refuse to compromise having to do with our faith, obviously. But none of them are about self-protection. Did you hear that? None of them are about self-protection. Paul was constantly enduring persecution at the hands of his enemies, so he knew better than anyone the difficulty of living in peace with everyone. It is impossible. Now, understand this. It is impossible to make peace with everyone. But it is possible to live in peace and to manifest peace and to desire peace with everyone. There's a difference. It takes two to argue and two to fight, like the old song, it takes two to tango. It requires two to reconcile the relationship between two people. But you can reconcile the relationship before the Lord immediately. I might not be able to resolve the problem between you and I, but I can yield that problem to the Lord as soon as it crops up. And I can be yielded to His heart for you. So it's no longer about defending my flesh. It's no longer about protecting my pride. If you do this, if you reconcile your relationship before the Lord immediately, it'll leave you free to love the other person without pride or bitterness. We are not to respond to flesh with flesh. My mother used to say this quite often. I'm not sure who she was reminding me or her, but she would say, uh, you can't fight rebellion with rebellion. Well, that's the truth. Flesh against flesh will only bring more flesh. And even if you have peace, it's not a lasting peace and it's not a real peace. It's a compromise. Hebrews 12:14 tells us strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see God without which no one will ever see the Lord we have no control over the conduct of others we are not to be at peace with sin and error but we are to dedicate every relationship to him consecrate Do you know that you can make your relationships consecrated? When you lift them up to the Lord, they become His purview. My relationship with my wife is consecrated. The only time that it becomes troublesome for me is when I start trying to to handle it in the flesh. Or I start trying to see her as flesh, and you got to do one to do the other. You see? Then it's no longer about it being consecrated. It's still God's, but I'm acting like it's out of control and i got to seize it. And that's the truth of everything. When we give it up to the Lord, He's got it. We can't take it back, like all those stupid illustrations of it coming back and us catching it or, or uh, us yanking it out of God's. Can you yank anything out of God's hands, really? I mean, come on. When you give something up to the Lord, He's got it. Now, he may not take it right away, but it's his. And he'll remind you that it's his, particularly in the futility of you trying to do something with it. Now, I can probably get a testimony about that. 
To live at peace or to be at peace, the Greek word there means to join together that which has been separated. This is in present tense, so that means that this is how we're to continually approach an enemy. This is how we're to act constantly towards an enemy. To live at peace with everyone, and that means even the people who've wronged you, even the people who have insulted you, even the people who've done injury unto you. It means everyone. Romans twelve nineteen. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave the way open for God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, requiet, says the Lord. Now this may seem like a silly illustration, but if you take a hammer to my car, who have you offended? The car or me? Me. You've offended me. If you're a new creation and your body is a living sacrifice, that means that your temporal existence has been consecrated unto the Lord. If someone does you injury, who have they offended? God. Unless you are your own. Now, that'll be a quick check for flesh living. Who have they offended? God. When they do injury unto you, who have they offended? God. Why? Because you're his. His. The vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The point is not that your enemy is going to get his. That's not the point of the verse. I mean, we like to read that. Yeah, they're going to get there, you know. But the point is that you need to see yourself as a child of God, that you don't belong to yourself. That's the way Jesus saw himself on the cross. If not, he would have avenged himself. He would not have allowed himself to be captured or ridiculed or beaten. Unlike us, he was capable of defending himself against any force, but he didn't. Like a lamb unto slaughter. We need to see the sacrifice of our bodies as the yielding. Now get this. We need to see the sacrifice of our bodies as the yielding of all temporal things. It is not ours to avenge. Ever. That's tough. Ever. If we have sacrificed our body unto him, if our body is nothing more than to be a vessel for the Spirit of God in union with our spirit to operate through, what do we own that we need to protect? Hmm? What do we own that we need to protect? Vengeance is the right of the master, not the slave. Paul calls us in this verse, beloved, because he wants us to see that we can trust the love of God in this, to care for us. He will avenge himself because we are his. You see, the vengeance of the Lord is for himself, not for you. Do you understand that? It's for himself. 1 Corinthians 6.20 You were bought with a price. Purchased with a preciousness and paid for, made his own. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. How are you going to do that? As a living sacrifice. Now Paul is not just talking about external acts which may be prohibited by God when he says do not avenge yourself. Or prohibited by law. But he's also talking about thoughts and feelings that we may indulge when we've been wronged or when we feel like we've been done injury or uh, attacked in some way. You know what I'm talking about. We all do it. 
so-and-so says something to us, we take it the wrong way, and in our minds we're thinking, you know, I should have told her, da-da-da. Where does she get off telling me that? You know, she talks about me, but she da-da-da-da. And next time she says something like that, I'm going to da-da-da-da. You know, at all, we play the whole scenario. If we don't do that, we play the martyr, and we're playing that scenario over and over again. We're analyzing every word. We're replaying the scene, and every time what the person says becomes more injurious, and we become more helpless, a bigger victim. And I, I see this. I, I've seen it in, in counseling. People come to me and they say, well, you know, you know, my spouse said this about me. Well, when did they say it? Well, it was last year at the Christmas party or whatever, you know. They said it a year ago. And I bet you remember it. Word for, I do because it hurt me so badly. And how many times have you told anyone about this? Well, I just mentioned it once or twice. And you've rehearsed it in your mind over and over again. And every time she does something or he does something to displease you, you've got that thing on fast play, man. You turn it on and rewind it. I can expect that from them. This is what they said to me back then. I should have known then. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? That's what he's talking about. That may not be doing your enemy any harm, but it is still vengeance. It is still bitterness. It is still indulging flesh. And that's also being addressed in this verse. The reason Paul is telling us this is to save us from living according to the flesh. To warn us off a pathway that would rob us of the abundance and the liberty that we were made for. He's not just telling us this because you need to follow this rule. He's telling you this because this will literally rob you. It will rob you of what God died to give you. The liberty, the joy, the happiness, the abundance, all that Christ died to give you, the riches of who he is, you will literally sacrifice in order to indulge a fantasy that you are this stuff, And you need to protect it. You need to dress it. You need to to promote it. And heaven help those who don't agree with you. You see? Paul's saying, guys, this is the way we live the Christian life. We recognize that we don't live according to the flesh. We recognize that we don't have a right to be offended. We recognize that vengeance belongs to the Lord, for he will avenge himself. The way of the flesh is pain for pain. As Spurgeon said, like the animal, bite for bite, scratch for scratch, kick for kick. Leave the way open for God. It is never us who right the wrong. It is never us who right the wrong. God sees the source of evil before he sees the container it came in. And he can address it accordingly. You see, God hates evil doesn't necessarily hate the container it comes in, okay? That's where we go wrong. His anger is against evil. Romans twelve twenty. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Now, this deals with the new paradigm for living as a new creation. I say new because it was the same one that Jesus introduced. 
It's the new covenant paradigm that allows us to see ourselves not just as the people that belong to God, but as God's children birthed through Christ. Now, the best that the flesh can do is walk away from an enemy and hope the worst concerning him. Christ has called us to live supernatural lives and to treat our enemies as as brothers and sisters. You remember when Jesus and Stephen both were dying, they both cried out, forgive them for they know not what they do. They saw their enemies with eyes of love and they cried out for their salvation. Now, Paul says you don't need to avenge or repay evil for evil, but care for their needs. Now, that's not random acts of kindness. It's your prayerful approach towards someone who's offended you. This is spirit-led, to minister them to according to the Father's heart for them. This is you literally taking on the character of Christ concerning them. And this is also in present tense imperative, which means we are commanded to continually approach our enemies this way, to exchange evil for good. Of course, that would call us to deny the flesh. And to see others, even our enemies, as God sees us. Again, it's a call to live out the truth. That's what it's about. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you'd like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.